Right, Marco, thank you for joining us on our first player question and answer session. You're welcome. Um, so we'll start off really by taking a look back at your early career. Um, growing up in Brossard, Quebec, as you've just told me that's how you pronounce it. Brossard. 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 At what age did you get to before you realised you wanted to become a hockey player? I think as soon as, even before I was playing. Um, I remember being in my basement with my uh, big basement hockey net was at the other end of the basement and I just remember uh, playing there all by myself shooting shooting pucks which my parents weren't too happy because I destroyed a wall uh, but mostly tennis balls and uh, just pretending I was playing for the Montreal Canadiens. And were your parents a big influence growing up? Um, I wouldn't say an influence. They they definitely helped me. Uh, they supported me, uh, whatever I wanted to do. Uh, but I don't come from a big hockey family at the, at, at the very base. Uh, but they were um, incredibly supportive. Um, they did everything they needed to do for me to uh, to um, to perform and to uh, to have fun. I think that's. That's the key thing when you're a kid. It's it's to have fun and not having too much pressure from your parents, especially. Um, I don't remember having talks about any games when I came back after any of them with my parents. So just did you have fun? The answer was yes. Then everything was fine. And was it always hockey? Obviously, growing up in Canada, there's a lot of other sports you could have turned to: the baseball, basketball. But was it hockey? Mine was uh, well. I'm going to say soccer, but I'll say football now. Um, I was I played f I played football until I was um, f maybe fifteen, and it was always um, I play winter during hockey, soccer during um, summer, and uh, until I had to make a choice because both of them were just too they became almost eight to nine months uh, full time sports, so um, I just picked I I, I I think I was better at, at football soccer to be honest. But I picked hockey because there was a better chance for me to, to continue in that line of work. And it's and it's obviously my, my passion. So yeah. That's good. Um, so we'll go to a first fan question. And this one's from Giuseppe Slater. So who was your hockey hero growing up? Um, I'd say Mike Modano from the Dallas Stars. Always been a big fan of him. Um, I used to watch him play. Uh, I couldn't really watch him play because they were in the Western Conference, and they would play late at night. But I remember just just uh, being being amazed by by uh, by what he did. And did you have one specific team? I mean, you touched on the Montreal Canadiens there, but were they your team that you? you Dallas Dallas was um, Dallas would be my my favorite all time team, uh, but obviously growing up in Montreal, my dad would take me, my granddad would take me. Um, and it's just a city that's buzzing around around hockey when when uh, when it's hockey season. So um, yeah, uh, Montreal Canadiens would also be like it's it's part of me. So, yeah. And was Mike the reason that you became a forward in the sport, or was it just a natural given for you? I don't know. I just I want to score goals, so I, I I thought you know D is not the right position for me to do that, and goalies obviously not. So. Um, I just I was I just forward forever, so I didn't never thought never did had the idea of being a, a D or, or a goalie. Because this obviously you hear comments about goalies being 
a little different to other hockey players. Is that true in the sense? Do you see that with the... 100% true, yeah. The there's, there's a few odd guys that are actually normal here and there, but most goalies are weirdos. So who's the best goalie that you've played with? Or played against, even? Um, wow, that's a tough question. That is a tough question. The oddest goalie, actually, would be Dupes. I can't figure out what he's doing. Might be too old. But uh, he's got this stance that I can't figure out. Um, but um, I've played with some, some good goalies. Um, a lot of them were, were really good. Uh, but I, I don't think of one name in particular right now. Okay, so carrying on with your career, um, and you moved to Greenville at the ECHL, where obviously you partnered up with Brendan Connolly for the first time. Just talk us through the difference in Brendan from then until now. Um, not much, to be honest. Same player, uh, same feisty player, same... Um, yeah, feisty is the word. Um, he, he talks a lot. Uh, he's a good goal scorer, good with the puck. He's good, good all around the ice, you know, a good skater. And, um, I mean, from his time there, I mean, I, I just knew he was, he was going to be the same player. So that's why I think from day one when we got here, we just clicked right away because... Nothing's changed in his game. I just know where he's going to be, where, what he's doing, um, what kind of play he's going to go with uh, when he has the puck. So, yeah, same same player. Very chemistry player. on the ice is, is obviously a key aspect of the game, but were you close friends back then as well? Yeah, I've always been. Uh, never had any problem with him. We've always been very honest with each other, very uh, been hang out with each other. And... Um, I think that's another thing. That's what the, the, the reason why uh, when we got here, just things clicked right away again. And you had two very impressive early years in the ECHL that got you your call up to the AHL for the first time. Just walk us through that experience because obviously that's one step away essentially from the big league, the it NHL. Is, yeah. um, I'm still a bit sour about my AHL experiences. Um, I got called up four times in my career. I'd say one of them was a legit shot at it um my very first one i remember uh my first year i led the rookies and goals 28 that year uh didn't get a shot i'm still a bit sour about that um but uh my second year was my first call up and it took a while too um remember being on the road in reading and um we were playing that night so we went up to the morning skate at the rink got back to the rink uh, to the uh, hotel sorry and my coach called me in, he's like, uh, congrats, you've been called up. First uh, call up in Bridgeport. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Reading Bridgeport is a five-hour drive with no traffic. So um, Bridgeport sent um, a taxi van to pick me up, got to the rink, picked up my stuff, and then on my way to a four- or five-hour journey to Bridgeport, we had traffic. So we left about 12 or 1 o'clock. Um, and the game was at seven. We hit traffic. I got the game. I got at the arena at I think ten or twenty minutes before warm up. Uh, what you don't realize is when that happens, you have to sign the PTO contract. So you need to meet uh, the right people for that. You need to see the physio to make sure and the doc to make sure they can clear you for the game. You don't have any injuries uh, to to go into that game. You have to meet. Obviously, the coaches, the teammates, um, you have to get dressed, you have to warm up. And I had basically, I'd say, I'll say 20 minute tops to do all of this. Um, meet the coaches, 
get to know the the systems what what what, what kind of game are we playing tonight um so that that was a bit that was something else to be honest it was overwhelming i was you know you, you get the stress of your first call up you know you're thinking it's your shot now so you 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 want to impress um so i remember getting dressed being late for warm-up i had to stop the whole the other team's warm-up because i had to go through the zamboni door and they were just playing so i had to stop their warm-up go through uh the, the length of the ice to go to uh, to our own zone and i uh, stayed the other weekend that's it two games um and uh back to the uh to the to uh my east coast team greenville and played one game there and after that game again i got my second call up and that was uh rockford uh stayed there a while um played very well had a legit shot uh but you know hockey's about timing and uh it's it's sad that it didn't work out for me there is there any popular names that any of the fans might recognize that you played with? Um, when I was in Bridgeport, there was a few ones on top of my head. Uh, Michael Haley, tough guy. Um, there was another tough guy. I was is I can't can't remember his name, but um, just remember him. Shadow boxing in the mirror before the game. That was funny. Um, few guys in in uh, in Rockford. I was there for like a month or two there. So Brendan Perry plays in Vegas now. Um, Card Nutton, the goalie in uh, Buffalo. Um, two very good players. Radislav Olesh that you know uh, played in the show for so many years. He was there too. Uh, so yeah, on top of my head, there, so I mean there was a lot of other Brendan Bo. Uh, no, sorry, he wasn't there. But um, yeah, there was a, a lot of other guys that were uh, on the verge to uh, playing in the NHL there. Carrying on, your next step in your career, we saw you move away from the States and you moved to Denmark, but only for nine games. Just talk us through what happened. Um, I don't want to put too much, uh, too much thought about it. I didn't like it. Uh, I'll just kind of put it this way. It just things didn't work out for me. Um, played nine game there. Um, the club was okay. The, the the team was okay with me. Everything went fine. Um, it was just not the right spot for me. That's it. Um, playing that game there, I, I enjoyed my time there, but I uh, couldn't couldn't uh, see myself playing there full year. So but just you see, you played nine games. You got nine points. So clearly on the ice, <laughs> you hadn't necessarily lost the talent that people clearly saw you had. And then you moved back to the UCHL, put up points yet again. Then moved to Italy yeah. the following year. That was 34 games, 57 points. So, obviously, it wasn't a case of you'd fallen off the edge of the cliff. You, no, no, no. It wasn't. It, it was nothing about. It was my decision to leave. Um, it was. Uh, it was. You know, in life, you I play hockey because it's my passion, because I love the sport, and because um, that's what I love to do. And I didn't have. I didn't have the love for the game when I was there. Just too many things around uh, my 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 surround like my my surroundings that, that were not doing it for me. So um, you know I'm the kind of person in life that um, I need to to love what I do and uh, I need to feel the love. And it was just not the right the right spot for me. That's you it. say that to you as a person, you need to love what you're doing. Do you think that's the case for a lot of players that if you're not enjoying playing the sport, obviously you're not going to want to be there. You're going to want to do something else. I mean, I, I believe, I want to believe every players um, that are playing the game, are, are, they love what they do. Um, I know for a fact few guys actually 
play the game because they're good at it. They don't really enjoy it. But um, I mean, it's it's it, it should be just like that in hockey. It should be like that in life in general. I know it's it's hard, and I'm privileged to be able to uh, to do what I love and getting paid for it. I mean, getting paid to to do my passion. But um, and I know it's hard to tell someone that has a regular job. You know, you should you should love your job, and if you don't, then um, you should love your job. And yeah, do you want to cut that or what? No, let's just let's it's just right. we'll yeah, keep, we'll we, keep we, going. we do keep us we do us somebody centered or got on folk. But um yeah, I was just saying it's tough to to tell someone that has a regular job to uh to say to, to, to tell them just change, you know. I get that. But at the same time, um some point in your life you you want to be happy, right? You you only have you only have one life and, and you don't want to spend so many years or weeks not not happy because of your uh your job, especially because you're there so you're there what, 90, 90% of your time, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, just, uh, you gotta love what you do. And sticking with the theme of loving what you do, another fan question now for you. Just talk us through your all-time top six players, if you can. Put a team together of Marco's favorite players. Top six all-time in NHL history, or hockey history. Hockey history. Okay, top six. So like a lineup, basically. Three forwards, two Ds, one goalie. I'll go left wing Maurice Richard, the Rocket, played for Montreal. Um, at center, I'll play, put another French guy, Mario Lemieux. Um, at right wing, I'll put myself, because I want to play with these guys. I'm going to be on the ice at the same time as these guys. At D, see, I don't want, I don't want Ds. We're all out offense. Stick with forwards. Yeah, stick, stick with forwards. forwards. Go forward. So uh, I'll put Mike Modano at D. Just because he's super fast. And Sidney Crosby. Two-way. He's good two-way. So he can play D. Um, and goalie. You know what? We'll go six-man. Six-man forward. All unit. We're going extra goal. I'll put um, McDavid. I'll put McDavid. And seeming as though you mentioned both Crosby and McDavid, there's a, obviously the popular debate going around. Who is the better player? Or can you not compare them, given the years apart since they both... It's tough, the but they're, they're, it's it's an it's easier to to compare, you know, Crosby with McDavid and let's say Crosby with Gretzky, because Crosby and McDavid are playing the same era. Um, you have to you have to say right now Crosby because McDavid hasn't proved um, what Crosby has done yet. You know, Crosby has won uh, Stanley Cups. He's been winning uh, consummate trophies, so you got to give it to him for now. Uh, I'm sure McDavid will. Uh, will follow his path though and probably probably be even better but right now you got to give it to Crosby for what he's done so far okay so just going back to that's you. my thought you know no, no, I don't no, want to no. it's everybody's <laughs> entitled to their opinion uh, so going back to your career and then it seemed your next step was to come to Britain for the first time obviously your move to Coventry just take us through that experience um, you know, I was looking after my year in Italy in Bolzano, I, um, I was looking for a place where um, I'd actually be, I'd be back to where I want to be, like a top guy, um, playing in top units, uh, making a difference in the games. So uh, Coventry was... Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Davey. That was nice. <laughs> um, you should have seen that. Anyway, no, you should have. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, um, talk with my agent. 
Um, Coventry was super serious about me. Um, great talks with Danny Stewart at the time. And, uh, you know, when I said I want to feel the love, I want, to, I, want to, I, want to, I want to be one of those players that goes on the ice and makes a difference. Coventry seems like the right fit. And it turns out that it was, you know, I, I blast that year, a great year. And uh, had a, a lot of fun, put up a lot of points too. So it was, it was a good year. And it sticks with the Fang question here. What's the difference between Coventry and, and here in Sheffield? Is there anything that stands out for you? Um, from, from two years ago to this year, I'd say it's, it's the same good league, you know. There's uh, those players that come in and they're older and they know the game so well that I think it makes the, the English league uh, so much better than what people think, actually. Um, not the fastest league, to be honest, but um, it's definitely one of those leagues where you get so many um, guys with experience that it changes the game completely. So um, I noticed that my my uh, my first year in Coventry, and um, it's it's the same, but I think a bit better this year. Um, the the big the biggest thing for me right now is the big ice. You know, Coventry has a smaller ice, and Sheffield has the bigger ice. So I think that helps my game because I'm a good skater. But um, yeah, that would be the main difference between between here and there. And another fan question that fits in quite nicely here from Chris Barty. He says. What's it like to play against former teammates? And do you get that opportunity either before or again for the people that don't see behind the scenes to meet up with the guys and, and chat about time? It depends who. You know, I, There's some guys that we're going to see each other before the game, we're going to see each other after the game, we're going to talk to each other in the game. And there's some guys that I'm going to train with the whole summer, line up on the face-off next to him, and he's not going to say a word to me. So I'm the kind of guy that like would just follow the lead of the vibe of the other guy. And so uh, just for one example, Dufour in, um, in Dundee, um, trained with him this summer uh, a few times, lined up against him, he would not look at me. So maybe he's just one of those guys you know, that needs to be focused, needs to be in his game, and I'll respect that. So I'm not going not gonna to talk to him if he doesn't want to talk to me. But uh, after the game, we, we, uh, we have a good handshake. You know, we the chummy one and not the official one um but uh yeah it, it, it depends who uh what kind of personality um i mean i played against some friends and we would actually trip each other i fought a friend once in juniors um you know once the puck is dropped it's kind of like there's no friends anymore that rule and when the the, the horn blows 60 minutes um you know you gotta let these things aside and just be uh is there added incentive then in that sense that you want to maybe prove ex-teammates wrong, ex-coaches wrong, that maybe you're a better player than what, what they thought you were? Um, you know, I just, I just try to be the best player I can every night. So I don't put too much thought in being like, oh, I got to impress. I got to impress him or, or these guys or that coach. Um, I do me and uh, um, I try to do me at 100%. You know, 100% is not... 100% every night, you know, it can be 100% of 80%, but 100% uh, of 80% works all the time. <laughs> but uh, no, I just try to do me. I just try to uh, to play my the best I can, the best of my abilities. And, uh, you know, when hockey is a game where everything happens so fast, and if you start thinking, then, then um, it's not good. And you wore 88 in Coventry. You're wearing 88 now in Sheffield. Has that always been your number? And is, is there a reason behind 88? <laughs> or a I have, reason you can tell us um, I used to make this joke because last year um, I wanted to wear 88 
And, uh, well, let's start with the beginning. Um, I were 17 in Greenville. Um, and when I came over to Europe, I just wanted, you know, new number. Um, I wanted a high number. Because uh, every team I played, I wouldn't be able to get a high number because they just tell you, like, it's 1 to 20 or whatever. Um, so I wanted a high number. Um, I thought of my date of birth, 89, when I signed in Italy my first year. Um, one of my friends signed before me, took 89. So I was like... I just go one off, 88. Um, looks good. Eric Lindros, Patter Kane. Good mix, you know. Um, but no, uh, a good story behind it is, okay, maybe you can cut that if it doesn't work. But when I got in Austria last year, um, I wanted 88. Someone was already in 88, so I didn't want to make, you know, scene, uh, scene about it. I just took 87 again, one off. Um, but some people told me it's good that I'm not wearing 88 because A represents the letter H. And HH in German means Heil Hitler. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, this might be a good so, one Yeah, so it's actually like some people will say 88 is like a yeah. it's kind of racist number. Yeah. Fun fact. Uh, but obviously I'm not wearing that for that reason. Um, I just think... At first I want a big number because my, my name is long. I just wanted to fit, on the shirt. fit it better. To look good. So the balance sits good nicely on two eights. I like it, I like it. Have you ever seen a time where a player has maybe bought a number off another player? It happened in the NHL a couple of days ago where Bobrovsky bought the number 72 off a player. I think he gave him, was it a Rolex watch, a double cheeseburger and a bottle of wine? <laughs> and and he's all for a number on a shirt as well. I've never, no, I've never seen it. Actually, like, when, when, uh, when I signed in Austria, the guy that wore number 88, you know, I actually had in my contract, I'm wearing 88. And I didn't know, like, to be honest, I didn't know anybody was wearing it. So um, when my agent texted me, he's like, hey, we might have a problem. This guy, he's, he's, uh, he's wearing 88. So I just messaged him seeing how important it was for him to keep that number. And he said it was his lucky number. So I didn't want to mess with that and uh, just let him have it. We'll stick with the fan questions then. And John Roper's asked, what do you want to do when you hang up the skates? Obviously, we're hoping it's it's a long time. I hope future, I hope but... to I hope to I'm gonna play as long as I can as long as the body can take it. But um, I have a few I have a few ideas going back to school. Um, two years ago, I had a big uh, big um, you know questioning about that kind of that 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 question actually. Um, what am I gonna do? Because uh, after my year in Italy, I sat I sat at home for a few months before I found anything. Uh, I said no to two offers, um, and that then that may might have been not the right choice, but it it seemed to be at the at, at moment. So I sat at home for a few months, and I told myself never again. You know, like if 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 I can't find a contract, I need to you know keep the house payments going and everything. So um, I enrolled for police academy two years in a row. Um, I did the physical test two years in a row, but I did not. I ended up not going to school uh, because I signed a contract um, right before school would start. And um, I didn't have to enroll the last two years because uh, I signed a contract even before uh, the sign-up date was due. So um, this is an interesting job for me. I don't know um, how long I can do that for, but um, I like that idea. And also, like I said, hockey is my passion, so I might want to be... Be able to stay in that in that world, you know, as a coach, um, as an agent, as a scout. Um, I love the game. I love being around the game. So, um, 
Yeah. Is that something you learn off your own agent? Obviously, Michael was was here the last week or so, and he's telling me many stories on our trip to Manchester yeah. last Friday night. He's got so many good stories, and he actually opened my mind on being an agent. I never really thought about about doing that. I thought it was like a job where um, you rely too much on outgoing things, you know? Um, but he does such a great job that he wants to make me do it, you know? Um, Michael, thanks for everything you're doing. Um, you actually make me uh, make me a better person and a better player. Yeah, he's uh, he's doing a great job, and and he, he just made me realize, yeah, maybe there's there's uh, there's interest in me of, of being of taking care of guys and making sure everything's everything's fine. And when when you when you can go to the rink and worry only about hockey, it's the best feeling ever. Not have to worry anything about anything else in the world, because um, you got you know somebody is looking up for all those things that are surrounding the hockey business itself. Um, it's amazing, so, yeah. Okay, so going back to hockey and Michael, he was telling me played a, a good role in getting you here to Sheffield this year. And Nicola Bloomer asks, where do you see the Steelers at the end of the season? Obviously, it's a tough question now. We're only partway into the season. Well, where do I see us? I'm gonna tell you where I see us. I see an orange jersey. A pile of orange jerseys in the middle of the ice holding a trophy. That's what I see. Um, I've never won a championship. And I want to do that here. I want to do that with you guys. I want to do... Uh, I, want to, I want to experience that feeling. And I think we have the team for it. I think um, we have the depth for it. I think we can do it. And, uh, yeah, that's what I see. I mean, you play hockey to to win, right? You don't, you don't play... Uh, you know that's why I came. I came. That's why I came here. Actually, um, you know I have opportunities to go to to some other teams in other leagues, uh, to other teams in this league. But what's the point of? I just felt what's the point of going to a team where um, you just fight for a playoff spot, especially in this league, um, where the championship is the league's champions. You you got to win the most games. Um, what's the point of being in a team where you don't fight for that? You know. So I thought. Uh, Sheffield with, with the talks I had with Foxy um, was the right right spot for me. Uh, their vision was to go for it and um, that's what got me here. So sticking with the Elite League, you talked there about the league title being the main championship here. Is that something that goes through players' minds? Obviously in the NHL and many other leagues throughout Europe, it's you have your league, you settle for your playoff spot and then you go for the trophy at the end of the season. Obviously, it's different here having the just the, let's say, playoff weekend. What's your thoughts on the league structure? Well, it's a different mindset. Um, the only thing I don't like is that playoff is, is another level. Playoff brings out the best of players, and you don't get the chance to see that here. Um, so that, that, that part of it sucks. Um, and uh, it's a different mentality because football is a big thing here, I guess. Um, that's the kind of direction the league is going. But, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's another mentality. And, and uh, when I came here, I agreed to that, right? So um, it's different because every night really is you can afford to lose points. So every, every match becomes important. So in that sense, it's, uh, it makes maybe the level of the league a bit better. But like I said, when you're when you're uh, in every other league, all you need to do is get and get into that 
eight spot. And from there, you've seen so many teams from eight go in and win it. So uh, it's a different mentality. Um, and yeah, the only thing I don't like is that, you know, playoffs is so exciting. You get to play set four to seven games against the same team. It brings out a lot of energy, brings out a lot of passion. And uh, that's what I, I missed my first year in Coventry. But coming back here now, I know what it's like. So you as players thrive off the fact that, you know, going into every night, it's, it's essentially a, a must-win game because if you lose two, three on the bounce, that's it. You you could be out, exactly. out of the running. Well, you know, it's it's funny because um, you have to. You have to because it's those kind of points that they don't seem important. But when you look back towards the last four or five games and you're one or two points off a championship title, then that game that you didn't took you took lightly could be the game that hurts you at the very end and make the, makes the difference between lifting that trophy or not. And it was another thing that me and Michael spoke about on our way to Manchester was the double-header weekend's kind of schedule, in essence, that you go to Europe, you go to America and you play, let's say, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, or whenever the schedule lies. But over here, it is just mainly Saturday, Sunday games. Does that bother you as a player? Is it more difficult? Obviously, you kind of lose that social aspect of, mm -hmm. of life where you are because you can't go out, you can't necessarily party on a weekend because you know that you've got a game tomorrow. Um, I'm going to be straight honest with you. It does. It does. Uh, it does bother me because um, two things. I think, you know, that uh, I, I think in, in Europe in general, you don't really see much leagues where you play two games in a row. And that extra day you're going to play, let's say, on a Thursday and then a Saturday. That Friday you have for light skate, it's, it's so good to recover for the body, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, it just it just makes your level uh, of, of intensity better on that Saturday night. Um, here with the traveling, you know, it's always, it's, most of the time it's one away, one home. The traveling, I mean, in Sheffield, we're, we're, uh, we're pretty lucky to be, you know, in the center. I remember being in Coventry, though, sometimes you play Saturday night um, away in five. You have to come back all the way down and you come back at three, four in the morning. All of a sudden you drive home. Next thing you know, you can go right to sleep again. So you're like up for an hour or two and the game's at five. So like it's tough to manage the sleep, the rest um, when you have that kind of schedule. And the other part is, yeah, you, you mentioned it, social life, you know, um, my family want to come. We want to, you know, they obviously want to see me play, but they obviously want, want to do to visit around. And I don't have much time for that, so I just gotta let them go. And and then I wish I could enjoy, you know, a night or two in London with them. But obviously, with the schedule, it's some things I can't afford to do. Um, but it is what it is. Um, when I was in Coventry the first year, I remember uh, I didn't know, I didn't know that was happening. So I was a bit, I was a bit um, off about that. But knowing that this year, you know, I, I knew what I was coming to. I, I signed up for it, so it, it's good. But I, I, as a personal stance, I think that, and like I said, that day off is, is, is huge. And, uh, you know, obviously social life um, gets gets hurt a bit by, by that kind of schedule. And sticking with the schedule and coaching and the training sessions, what's Aaron like as a coach? Obviously, the fans, their big question coming into this year was, we know Aaron can recruit, but can he coach? Yeah, he's doing a good job. He's doing a good job at, at, at you know holding the ship together. It's uh, especially when you have so many good players on a team. Sometimes it's tough to to make everyone happy. And I think right now he's doing a good job, um, uh, as 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 it is on ice and off ice. 
and uh, you know we just mentioned it we we had we just had two days off um, and it was good it was good to to be out of the rink and not see familiar faces for two straight days uh, even though I came around and, and saw cons but it cons is all right cons face is all right I can I can handle that for two days uh, but no, uh, yeah, he's doing a good job right now, and um, yeah, he's good at recruiting. He's, he's proven it, and now he, he's actually proven uh, to people that he can he can coach to. And we, you touched there that he can recruit, and we've we've seen the caliber of players that he's he's brought in this season. And then we've seen the characters as well. Maybe something that we were lacking last year. What's that dressing room like? If you were to take us in there before a game, we've seen you on the Tron before a game, waving the towels around, giving out the lineup. But but what are the characters like? Um, there's so many people. Hi Ben. Um, and there's so many uh, there's so many there's so much experience in that locker room. Um, you got those you got some old guys, you got some younger guys and I feel like it's it's actually old guys and young guys. There's no in between. It's like Dukes who's twenty four and that's it. You know, it's either like you're twenty or you're thirty six on that team. But uh, so the, the locker room is, is, is a different vibe from what I experienced before. Because there's, like I said, there's so much experience that some guys, you know, they just, most of the guys are older and I, so they know what they, they need. They know what they need before the game. Um, they know what they need in general uh, to, to be, to perform at their best, uh, which in, in the younger group or, or a younger group of guys, maybe sometimes you, some guys need to take the group and, and, and take them somewhere, you know? But that locker room is different because, like I said, everyone everyone knows what they need to do. And I think we're about coming to the end of this now, so we'll just fire off a, a, a few more fan questions. And, yeah. and Liam McNulty asks, and again, it's sticking with the characters in the dressing room. Do you, Eberly and DeLucas, sit around a table and plan your man of the match, Eddie? Is it something that you go through? Oh yeah, we every Monday we meet on a day off. We do sit down at a table and talk about Eddie's for at least two or three straight hours. Is it a big thing for the group doing an Eddie? Is it obviously I, I made a note here about the storm surge that the Carolina Hurricanes have, have brought in last season. It's something that unites the fans and the players together to celebrate, to celebrate. It does. It. I mean, I mean, if you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. So um, the Eddie brings fun, you know, we do some Eddie's. And some guys always come around and say, oh, I love that one. And then everybody's dying laughing. So um, it just brings, you know, another type of energy and, and positive energy. So, yeah, it's good. And we won't ask you to reveal any secrets, but have you got one planned maybe for this week? I got two. I got two planned. I got, you know, I got two in bank right now. And we like it. So just some quick fire questions to finish off. Uh, biscuit or cake? Neither. One recommendation from, is it House Street? House Street, yeah, I've House been there Street. three times now. What's one recommendation for a fan asking on Twitter? Sony Avo. Sony Avo is really good. It's really good. Go for Sony Avo. Will we see more carpool karaoke with you three guys again? We're working on it. Me and Dukes talked about it. It's just the last few weeks have been weird. Um, the schedule and everything, and we haven't been hanging out so much, but uh, we've talked about it. We've got some plans. We, we definitely can, can throw something soon. One moment from the season so far that stands out for you as the best? Uh, my, f my, first, uh, my first feeling of the House of Steel. You know, the, 
the love that, that the fans showed to, to this team, uh, it's something that, that uh, stands out to me. And to finish off, what are your thoughts on the enforcer role? Um, I believe it needs to stay in the game. Um, for so like, you've seen. I think in the last few years we've seen more cheap cheap shots than you've seen before. And I think enforcers actually they they. Uh, I think the role of enforcer itself, where the guy just goes on the ice and fight, I don't agree to that. But a, a player that can play and that can protect is players or not be not having the role of enforcer but you know if if a cheap shot gets gets uh happens on the ice maybe just a guy that you know needs to stand up for his teammate i really believe in, in standing up for your teammates and um i don't know if if you can call that the enforcer role but um i don't believe in the, in the, the actual fighting guys that were there during the, back in the day where like okay tap in the back from the coach and you go fight I don't believe in that because now you need like you need to be able to play hockey as well. But I believe in uh, in the enforcer in the sense of that backing up a teammate when when something happens. And just another quick one before right. we end this: How many more seasons can Jonathan Phillips play? You've seen his body, probably sixteen or seventeen. Sixteen or seventeen more years. He's halfway there. He's the guy's a legend. And we'll see his name up in the rafters when he finally does hang up the. Oh, you should put it right now. Because you know it's going to be there anyway. So might as well put it right now. Might as well do you know a big celebration, 1,000 games. Um, why not? He's going to be there eventually. Just do it now. Perfect. Marco, thank you very much, as always, for your time. High five. Thank you ever so much. Thanks and we you. will be back with another player Q&A. Thanks very you guys. Shortly. Thank you. Another.